Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. As always, we're glad that you've joined us and we hope that you will feel free to share these reflections on God's word with those that you know and love. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <clears throat> our scripture lesson today comes from Revelation chapter 21, verses 9 through 21. Hear the word of God. <clears throat> then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And it has the glory of God in a radiance like a very rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It has a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates are inscribed the names of the 12 tribes of the Israelites. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city has 12 foundations, and on them are the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width, and he measured the city with his rod. 1,500 miles, its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which the angel was using. And the wall is built of jasper, while the city is pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the wall of the city are adorned with every jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates are twelve pearls. Each of the gates is a single pearl, and the street of the city is pure gold, transparent as glass. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the great science fiction movie, Contact, the character played by Jodie Foster, Dr. Ellie Arroway, is an ambitious scientist who wants nothing more than to reach the outer limits of the universe. And she gets her chance inside some kind of superconductor propelled spacecraft that indeed takes her to the outer limits of the universe. And what she sees is something so beautiful, so amazing, so out of this world, she's overwhelmed. It just about takes her breath away. And at one point, as she's trying to take all this in, she utters this wonderful line. She says, they should have sent a poet. It was her way of saying that scientific language could not describe what she was witnessing and experiencing. It was just too far beyond human experience. Well, in Revelation 21, the apostle was nearing the end of his apocalyptic revelation. And for the faithful to whom he is writing, those who are enduring the persecution of Rome, he includes this vision of what he sees and what he imagines heaven will be. It has four sides and a tall wall and 12 gates 
Each gate has an angel and each gate is made of pearl. That's the reason why we call them the pearly gates. And, and the foundation is bespectacled with, bespectacled with 12 different kinds of jewels and the city is gold and the shines like crystal. I mean, this is quite the place. None of us can imagine a city like this Emerald City in the Wizard of Oz. But this is a city beyond all cities, indescribable. And the prophet would not want us to take his picture literally. He would want us to see it symbolically and metaphorically, but not literally. He writes to encourage us that something beyond our comprehension, beyond because of its beauty, lies in store for us. C.S. Lewis, and oh, by the way, today is the 60th anniversary of C.S. Lewis' death. He died the same day as John F. Kennedy and Aldous Huxley. Perhaps they all entered the pearly gates together. C.S. Lewis, in one of the greatest sermons I've ever read, draws a very helpful analogy for what it means for us creatures to attempt to comprehend what the Creator has in store for us. And he asked us to consider a child born to a woman who had been locked in a dungeon, who tries to teach the child after his birth about the outside world via black and white line drawings that she writes on paper. Through this medium, she attempts to show him what fields and rivers and mountains and cities and waves on a beach are like. And for a time, it seems that she's succeeding, but eventually the child says something that indicates that what he supposes that exists in the outside world is not really what exists in an outside world, but more is having to do just with those lines and pencil marks. And the mother informs the child that this is not the case. And instantly, his whole notion of the outer world becomes a blank for the lines by which alone he was imagining it have now been, been denied it. He has no idea of that which will exclude and dispense with the lines, that of which the lines were just merely a metaphor or a symbol or a transposition. The boy had only been looking, in other words, at a one-dimensional world and couldn't comprehend what this three-dimensional world was like. It's a suppose like the same for us, we creatures who are trying to understand what a full communion with the Creator might be. We can only think in lines, but God thinks in, in great dimensions. I get asked all the time what I think heaven is like, and I'm quick to say that I really don't have any idea. I've not been there. Anyone who tries to suggest that they really have an idea is really just guessing. So heaven becomes more of what we trust the nature of God to be. Who do we believe God to be? And is that what we can imagine God to be in heaven? And so we turn to the Bible to give us some impressions. Uh, John the Apostle paints for us the bejeweled city. He also tells us that God himself will be with us. He shall wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Later he says, behold, I make all things new, which is our theme this year. Heaven is where all things become new. And then the Apostle Paul tells us in the the letter to the Romans, who will separate us from the love of Christ, will affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced, he concludes, that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So while we live this troubled life, we are assured through scripture that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We can only then imagine 
that heaven is where we dive ultimately into the deep end of God's love, totally submerged, totally engulfed in God's love. I mean, and who can really imagine what that's like? Which makes me think of the ending of the last of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, the last battle where the old Narnia comes to an end and the real Narnia, in other words, heaven, begins and Aslan the lion, the Christ figure in the story approaches all these new Narnians who've just entered the heavenly realm and he says this wonderful line, the term is over, the holidays have begun, the dream is ended, and this is the morning. And then Lewis concludes the great story by saying this, and as the lion spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and title page. And now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. May it be so. Let us pray. We thank you, O God, for the promise of heaven. And we can't begin to imagine what this heavenly city will be for us. But we thank you that the promise is there and that you assure us that despite our trials and tribulations in this world, that we shall finally come into the joy of our master and the love of his dear son. So encourage us as we seek to live toward those ends. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>